the optimal life. Okay, well, um, my husband and I have a farm and ranch here in southeast Wyoming. Uh, we've lived here 30 years. We've raised four daughters here. Um, they're all kind of uh, flown the coop, if you will, uh, have families of their own working on it now. Um, they all went through the University of Wyoming. We love Wyoming. Uh, my husband actually is from Southeast Colorado. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Louisville, Kentucky, and then I just came west. Uh, came west actually to find a cowboy, believe it or not, and I did. So uh, I went to college in East Tennessee, got a history degree. When I came out west, I decided, what am I going to do with a history degree? I met my husband, and then I went back to school, got an English degree, became a teacher, um, and I've taught school children for years. I don't currently teach in the school system now. Uh, I quit a number of years ago in order to raise my daughters um, at home. Uh, we've had several small businesses to kind of... Um, add to our farm ranch income, which and some years, depending, it's more a lifestyle, by the way, than a real money maker. Some years you don't make a lot of money. So we did several different things to, uh, so I could stay home with the girls and raise them. Um, and then, you know, we are an empty nest. And in 2016, I became very passionate about, uh, Donald Trump and Abraham Lincoln and the similarities I saw not, on, not only with America and the divided nation that we have become right now, um, but also about the men themselves. And it was unusual in where I started and then where I ended up with this book. Yes, <laughs> which we are excited to get to. Do you guys watch? Uh, did, I assume you guys had to watch Yellowstone. Well, you know, Yellowstone, it's when we're here and we know what the lifestyle is, it's hard to watch Hollywood's version of the lifestyle. Mm. That Yellowstone is more along the lines of what we used to watch in the 80s, um, Dallas. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, you know, there are some some good parts to it. But yeah, Yellowstone is all the way on the other side side of the state the other corner from us as a matter of fact but um jackson hole is where you find all of those hollywood types but but yeah um i can't actually say i've ever watched a yellowstone episode and i'm sorry oh, for that okay. i just <laughs> okay well you know what i guess it's different when you're actually living it every day it's like anything else right if they yeah. made a story about the suburbs, I would be like, okay, this is this is really glamorized, but not the way it right. is. So. Well, it's kind of like, you know, we we prefer to watch Gunsmoke to Yellowstone, oh, but, but that's just go. our preference. There you go. So how can you, you have a book, and uh, the book, which we'll link it in the show notes, it's called Born to Fight, Lincoln and Trump. Um, how in the world can you relate donald trump who is by many uh many people look at as a really really bigoted racist to abraham lincoln who is the man known to abolish slavery i, I let's start there how do you make the connection okay well it it started in 2016 and that seems so long ago right now <laughs> 
But actually, it almost seems just like yesterday. Uh, of course, we're back in election year for 2024. How how bizarre is that for Trump to be here again? Um, but in 2016, as a historian and educator, I knew a lot about Abraham Lincoln. I thought I did. And I noticed early in Trump's campaign and then election some interesting similarities. They both won with less than half the popular vote. They both were very tall and they both had 10 year old sons when they were elected. They both had first ladies who were absolutely ridiculed by the press and Washington for what they wore. Um, And as I dove deeper into both their histories, I discovered a treasure trove of likenesses. And after four years of researching and writing, I had 10 chapters filled with hundreds of similarities on, on so many levels. And you say, well, how, how can they, they be any more alike than that? It's one thing that I learned and one thing I want to do in this book and have done is I've revealed the men behind the myths, both Lincoln and Trump have well-cultivated facades that hide their true natures. Abraham Lincoln in public showed humility and a carefully cultivated self-deprecation. And he would say things like, if I were two-faced, would I be wearing this one? He always did stuff like that. And it served to cover up what in reality is a huge ego. He was incredibly ambitious and even arrogant. He actually called himself a genius. Um, So that was kind of the hidden Lincoln. Now, Donald Trump, his well-cultivated facade is, is kind of the converse of that. His personal faith, his empathy, and those virtues that, that are real in him, um, his his uh, connection to the common people, they're all camouflaged by his impulsiveness and his big showmanship style, his political incorrectness, and the way he be- completely humiliates and belittles political and media opponents. So it's revealing the men behind the myths. But seriously, there are similarities on... Gretchen, let me just interrupt you real quick. If I'm following what you're saying, if I'm following what you're saying, you're talking uh, Lincoln being um, self-deprecating and Trump being very braggadocious. So isn't that one of the biggest contrasts between the two? Well, you would think. um, But that's that's simply showing that there is a, a real person hiding behind that facade and the connections with Trump, you've got to dig and get down to those uh, more redeeming qualities, the virtues that he actually has. And Abraham Lincoln, you get to his true personality in some of those less endearing qualities, those things that have been hidden by history. Whenever a, a I think because he was assassinated and history has just really cleaned up his, a lot of his, um, oh, more crude and crass qualities, which he does have. I'm kind of making, we're starting here and I know you're going to get to some other points, but to me, that sounds like Lincoln and Obama. Mm -hmm. 
you could make the comparison very well because Obama, who's also very charismatic and self-deprecating, a lot of people feel there's a lot of blood on his hands and he's probably a different guy behind closed doors than he was in front of the camera. I'm not following you when it comes to the Trump comparison. Well, uh, in getting deeper into each of the chapters, one thing, if you were to um, compare Lincoln and Obama, that would be a very short book. Uh, it's, it's, there just aren't many similarities aside from just that, that thing that you mentioned, but Trump and Lincoln, you can start with their ancestries. They all, they came from ambitious, uh, frontier spirit families that, that went, uh, traveled great distances, um, and had businesses. They were, they were tough. Uh, their fathers were tough. Um, did you know that both paternal grandfathers died young in their 40s and died suddenly? Abraham Lincoln's grandfather. And there are a lot of those similarities in which I call them kind of fun facts. Uh, but there are also true characteristics um, that identify both. Uh, keeping it real. Abraham Lincoln of course, he's called Honest Abe. Um, not quite as honest as you might think. Um, I reveal some things. But always were consistent. Their thoughts, their beliefs, and what they said, they were all one thing. Um, it wasn't three different people. Donald Trump, a lot of people would say, well, he just flat out lies because he exaggerates this and that. Half the nation, I believe, would say that he is one of the most honest presidents we've ever had. You never have to wonder what he's thinking because it comes out his mouth. And that's definitely something he and Abraham Lincoln have in common. They're they're one. They're consistent um, and really authentic. Abraham Lincoln always spoke his mind. Uh, you know, the way they communicate, you'll learn a lot about Abraham Lincoln. Um, a lot of us, like I said, just have this idea of he's not real, but I reveal the man behind the myth of Abraham, as well as the man behind the myth in Donald Trump, too. Okay. But the way they, the public speaking, um, they're not so much experts in public speaking, but they are expert in speaking to the public. And Abraham Lincoln, we can think of those wonderful uh, speeches that we remember and that we memorize in school, the Gettysburg Address um, and his first and second inaugurals. Those were very well practiced. He did not deliver a speech for such an occasion without being incredibly practiced in delivering it. Um, he, right. in fact spoke more like Donald Trump when it was off the cuff. He would say things that he shouldn't have. Um, he would bring up things that, oh, he was just bashed by Republicans all over the place for some of the things he said and did during his presidency. But we don't remember those things. And I'm, I've revealed a lot of it, not to bring Abraham Lincoln down, but to just reveal these are both real men. And they are, I might add, uh, the leaders for the time, Abraham Lincoln to preside over the Civil War and Donald Trump to put a stop to our, oh, would you say deep dive towards socialism? 
Um, yes. And but, that- uh, again, there's several things I want to dig into here uh, because you're talking about them being both great orators. Uh, they're, they're charismatic in front of the camera. Their speeches, their speeches are well-crafted. Gettysburg Address, four score and seven years ago. We, we know it's one of the most popular uh, speeches of all time. Um, but don't you think, again, don't you think that that's true for so many other presidents? I mean, Obama, Bill Clinton was that way. Uh, Ronald Reagan. There's quite a few guys over the last 40 or 50 years that would have the same qualities. No, well, I agree with you. I mean, you could you could take and compare presidents and great leaders. Mine happens to be Lincoln and Trump. I think they are the most like presidents that you could ever um compare simply because of my deep research into both of their histories um let me, but ask, yes, you too. Let me ask you too gretchen i'm sorry to interrupt you but, but sure. when you when you bring up the civil war there's a lot of people that think that trump is one of those antagonistic types because he clearly does antagonize doesn't doesn't he kind of fuel the flames and fan the flames for greater divisiveness amongst the two parties the civil war kind of being an analogy i mean you're saying that that, or you disagree oh no i I say absolutely he has uh, he has clarified the battle lines one thing about abraham lincoln you have to understand the times um divided nation it was his election that caused the Southern Democrats to secede and say, wait a minute, we don't like this guy. So we want a different kind of nation. We're going to go try to do our own thing. And they seceded. What happened was um, Abraham Lincoln, half the nation just hated him. Um, They were, they said it's his fault that we are, here um, trying to separate from the union. It's his fault that we can't have the freedom that we want to have our slaves and our economy. Um, so they they hated him. It's You have to really get that into your head because the history surrounding Abraham Lincoln is, oh, he was such a unifier. Well, he was a unifier, but he conquered and defeated the southern states. It was devastating. He had to do that before he could bring the nation back together. You, you need to consider that. And and he was truly hated and and uh, well, blamed hate, for he everything. He was hated because of the system back then was a pro-slavery mindset. Is that what you mean? He was hated by people in the South especially? Because he was hated because of who he was, because he was the one that was elected and they were on the road to expanding slavery across the United States. Abraham Lincoln, if he had not stood up and been the leader and been elected, uh, we would we would have been two nations because even the Republicans said, what can we do to stop them from seceding? Abraham Lincoln almost lost the war before it even started, before he was even inaugurated, because there were compromises. They're like, well, let's go ahead and put the that uh, slavery is okay into the Constitution, and then they won't secede and things like that. Republicans were even saying, what can we do to stop them? Abraham Lincoln was the leader who said, uh-uh, we're not going to have this. We're not going to divide our nation. 
like this. Right. So how do you make that? How do you compare that? How do you compare that? I, I, listen, all presidents are hated. I don't care what side of the aisle you're, you're hated by the other party most of the time and uh, quite often within people within your own party. But how do you make the analogy there between Lincoln, who ends up abolishing slavery, which a vast majority, 99 percent of people today, I would imagine, at the very least, think that that was a great thing uh, versus Trump? What did Trump do that was similar, in your opinion, to make the analogy? Well, uh, you can talk about critical uh presidents in our history and i i believe that lincoln and trump are two of three indispensable presidents in the history of the united states uh george washington was one of them without his leadership we would not have been able to to win the revolutionary war to beat uh england and um move on. He was the first president, of course, um, and his leadership kind of guided us through uh, the Constitution and how he, he set the first example for what our nation should be. Abraham Lincoln, he actually, of course, restored American society by winning the Civil War, not allowing the Southern Democrats slave states to separate and have their own kind of nation. Um, And he did abolish slavery. He guided the passing of the 13th Amendment. Um, And then Donald Trump actually stood up. And after the Obama years, of course, that was eight years. And so many Americans believed that the nation was was on this trajectory that could not be stopped. It was headed toward a socialist state. It was headed for something that was completely different than what the founders had had uh, uh, talked about and and fought for. Um, and he was not supposed to win. Hillary, If she had gotten four years, um, some historians say that it takes 16 years in order to completely change the direction of a a nation. And if if Hillary Clinton had become president, uh, then we would be there. But what Donald Trump did was he stood up and he said, wait a minute. He showed us all that yes, we can fight against what we don't want America to do. One thing that Abraham Lincoln said uh, about the Civil War, and it was about slavery, make no bones about that. Uh, They wanted their state's rights in order to have their slaves. It basically was slavery. And Lincoln, one thing Lincoln does that Trump also does, he makes sure that every person can understand the issue. His language is so simple. He used things like sugar-coated, in which his his uh, uh, his cabinet will say, "Don't don't say that. That's such a uh, you know backwoodsy kind of thing." And Abraham Lincoln said, "Everybody knows what the word sugar-coated means, and I'm going to use it." And he did that, and he reduced the Civil War to one 
one thing. He said, slavery, you think it's right and ought to be ex- extended, and we think it's wrong. And that's basically what it was. That was the fight. Slavery, half the nation thought it was wrong. Half the nation thought it was right. Um, Donald Trump showed us that we can stand up and we can say, wait a minute. Besides any other argument, we just flat think that's wrong. And the other side thinks it's right. And it's it's as simple as that. But Donald Trump stood up and for four years we saw that he could actually get some things done. And the biggest success he had was at least putting a pause on the deep dive into a socialist state. So okay. we'll see where it goes from here. So, but don't you believe that anybody else that would have won in, in that election after Obama, uh, it, whether it would have been a Marco Rubio or any one of the other guys, Ted Cruz, don't you believe that they would have put a stop to that socialist dive as well? It would be Hillary Clinton. Trump is the only person that could have beat her. Okay, but you're saying that that's fair. That That is a fair point. I do believe that you are correct. But let's assume that either anyone else on the Republican side would have been in office. Don't you believe they would have also put a stop to the socialist dive? I don't think they could have put a stop to it. You need to understand something about the Republican Party. Is The Republican Party is so excruciatingly status quo. They do not want to change. They don't like change. Um, Teddy Roosevelt tried to do it back in nine, in when he was president. Uh, what happened was they didn't give him the nomination when he wanted to run again in 1912. He won all the primaries and the Republican Party did not give him that presidential nomination because he was a little too progressive. He was for the working man, and he made some great progressive changes, but it was in a Republican Party that was very connected to big business, and uh, they wouldn't have it. But one thing about the Republican Party is we have had, and we can kind of see it because Trump has called it out, a deep state that we didn't realize how deep it actually was. And now we know how deep it actually is. Uh, Mitch McConnell was working against Republican candidates. There are other deep state Republicans and rhinos that just simply they don't want the system to change. They like their power in there. They like their jobs. And they're 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 so far removed from the American people. And that's one thing Donald Trump brought back as well is that the people actually have a voice against what is happening in big government. You you say that uh, Trump is hated ferociously by the Democrat left. It, I think you're talking about some of that right now. Why are the, What are the reasons that he's so hated? <clears throat> well, he is hated because, first of all, he stood up and interfered with the Democrats' plan for Hillary's America and her coronation. That what began. Is, what is Hillary's America to you? What does that mean? Uh, Hillary's America was simply an extension of Obama's America. It's it's socialist. It's globalist. It is elites uh, lording over the masses. Um, it is anti 
anti-American, anti-patriotic, against Christian values, uh, the founding principles of just a liberal, liberal socialist agenda. Okay. And some other reasons why he's, he's that, that was the first thing, of course, it just, it just started an incredible, uh, uh, storm against Donald Trump. And why is it continuing? I mean, he's no longer in office. He's the one person who is able to fight them, um, able to guide others to stand up to what is happening. We have, um, think of the Freedom Caucus in the House of Representatives. Uh, The Republicans, of course, took over control uh, thanks to Trump and his uh, campaigning and uh, moving with that. But we have a Freedom Caucus, and we went through all of that. I don't know, you could say, oh, my goodness, this is so uncomfortable whenever they were uh, trying to elect uh, Kevin McCarthy and the Freedom Caucus were standing in the way. And it was, you know, it's not unlike other other um, congresses in American history. History is, you know, none of this is new. We've been here before. Uh, but they they stood up and we didn't all know how is it going to end, but they wanted certain things and they stood firm and they weren't going to give in until they got them. And they finally made a deal. And Kevin McCarthy is actually following through on some of those things that they were firm about. And, and I think, you know, they, they learned from Donald Trump that you can stand up in the face of all of this and just stand firm and see what happens. In fact, that's what Donald Trump says all the time. We'll see what happens. But yes. also, Donald Trump Donald Trump tells the truth. Um, well, yeah, you called him he, honest. Like honest he, Abe. Yes. Yes. He, what he is is basically a wrecking ball to political correctness and political. The PC culture basically is, oh, you can't say that. Just just you'll offend somebody. And th- that entire concept that that there are things you can't say, uh, there's no we thought, in fact, I was a part I'm a part of the America that believed that, well, we can no longer. Oh, my goodness. We can't say Merry Christmas. And we legitimately thought that was going to be a thing of the past because we didn't know how to fight against it. We saw it coming, but he, he, he said, wait a minute, you, we can say that. You know, the first time I realized that I was all in for Donald Trump during the primaries was when he offended somebody. And all of us said, oh, my goodness, he's got to come out and he's got to apologize. You know, same old, same old. He did not. He said, I'm not going to take it back. And I guarantee you that was a huge moment in 2016, when he said, I'm not going to apologize. I have freedom of speech, just like everybody else. And there you have it. He he completely wrecked the PC culture. Um, he calls it like he sees it, and he doesn't yeah. hold back. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm and just, with- I, I'm just curious how this re- how this uh, ties again back back to Lincoln, um, because again you're talking about some of the debates, and, and I remember vividly he was asked point blank, "Will you denounce uh, this white supremacist, whatever that group was on the right?" And he struggled to do it, and for whatever reason he didn't. He was not clear at, at denouncing the group. I I was very surprised and underwhelmed with his response. And yet you're you know, comparing him, to, you're comparing him to the the man who abolished slavery, which is like the most extreme comparison. So, I'm I'm struggling to draw these comparisons. Well, but Abraham Lincoln, you're talking about his presidency. He had an entire upbringing and political life and professional life before that. There were so many things in Abraham Lincoln's past. Do you know that he absolutely humiliated in public a political opponent so much so that he made him cry? And it was called the skinning of Thomas. Abraham Lincoln had it in him. One thing that he learned is he was able, it didn't work in that in that political climate to continue things like that. Uh, so he he toned that way down, but he knew how to humiliate with the best of them. Um, but, you know, the, the, all of the different, oh, I wanted to finishing why America, why the left hates him so much. And why it is getting so vicious? Let me let me get back to that real quick. Is, yeah, get back to that, and then I want you to bounce back again to the. Um, I really want to draw a connection to the to the black African American slavery, the whole issue there. But anyways, go back to your other thought. Okay, but um, in him in Trump standing up and and saying, you know, this cancel culture, this PC culture, this this we have freedom it's it it just absolutely put a halt to what the left was trying to do um in moving in that direction uh so you compare that gretchen again sorry for my interruptions but i want to make sure that the audience is clear on this you're comparing that halt the deep dive of the socialist state you're saying that halt is your analogy the analogy is he was responsible for uh, a big cha- a big catalyst type change and and you're is that the same change that you're talking about when it comes to Lincoln abolishing slavery is that the analogy well it's absolutely the same change you have a democrat party that wants a nation the way they want it they want globalism they want a different American flag. They want a national anthem that's not the national anthem, right? They want something different. That's what the Democrat Party wanted in the 1860s is the Civil War is Lincoln's fight against having the Democrats create their own nation simply because he was elected, simply because they want a different direction. And it the similarity in history in the buildup to the Civil War is very similar to the buildup that has been happening over the last 30 years today. Um, the abolitionist movement, it, it, was, it was suppressed initially. It was not popular to be an abolitionist. It didn't matter what 
party you were from, it, it was not popular. Um, but there were things in society that actually made, uh, there was uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. There was another book that really fomented the, the division. So the division didn't happen immediately. It had been building. And the division between uh, abolitionism and slavery, the slave economy, um, of course, there was a point where uh, America had been compromising, you know, for years and years. Let's let's have a slave state come in and then we will have a free state come in at the same time. So they made that compromise. There were other compromises with slavery. Finally, abolitionism became, you know, a, a, an acceptable thing and they just butted heads and it was absolutely a divided nation. Mm. And what has been happening in the last 30 years here um, school systems have been not teaching uh, true American history. There's been revisionist history. Uh, academia has been leaning left for years. Um, and, you know, the abortion debate has been, I kind of compare that a little bit to slavery of the 1860s, is it, it, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I remember in school saying, well, in your report, you can't you can't do abortion. We're just we're not going there. It's some people think it's OK. Some people think it's wrong. We're not. And it took years. It took decades for how many Republican candidates over the years have never admitted are they pro-life or pro-choice you know they just wouldn't go there and that's i don't think it's it's because they didn't believe it it's just because it wasn't as acceptable today you've got people i am pro-life and candidates well i am you know it's it's more acceptable to have that and that has further divided the nation whenever you have two different sides standing for completely opposite things. And, you know, it's building. I believe there is going to be a fight. One thing Abraham Lincoln said was a house, and he, he took it from um, the Bible. He said a house divided against itself cannot stand. It will become all one thing or all the other. You can't have a national divorce, like Marjorie Taylor Greene says, it just won't happen. It's kind of nice to think about because wouldn't it be nice if if states could do their own thing instead of the big national government telling them everything? Um, but it's going to become all one thing or all the other. And and thus the fight. Whoever wins this fight is the America we will leave to our children. And I, I don't know what form that conflict will will be. I don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody knows. Um, we just know that the left is terrified of Donald Trump, and they have been trying to destroy him for years because he is the only one who can stand up and fight as effectively as Abraham Lincoln fought during the Civil War. Do, do you feel that Biden also is an extension of Obama and that uh, now that he's taken office, we are going back toward that socialist type state. You know, one thing about Biden is I believe he is just a figurehead. I think the Democrat machine is behind all of this. 
Um, it's much deeper than any of us think. Uh, but he is just that figurehead. I don't think he even needs to be conscious uh, for things to be happening in his administration. Uh, but absolutely. Uh, in fact, they're, they're working double time. You remember on the first day he took office, these stacks of executive orders. We have never seen that, but they are working double time. They were able to take the 2020 election and they are wasting no time to make up for what Donald Trump had stopped for four years. So it is absolutely headed in that same direction. So again, so to your back to what you were saying, it doesn't really matter then. I mean, based on what you're saying, is that Trump gets into office for four years, he puts a little halt to it, and now we're right back to two years after he's out of office. We're headed back to where we were six years ago or four or five, whatever it was. Yeah, six years ago. You're saying that we're right back to it. So, again, Trump gets into, let's assume Trump gets into office in, in four more years, he puts a stop to it, and then a Democrat wins. They're go you're going to always feel this way, I, I feel like, Gretchen. Well, and I think that's a certain pill that we tend to take is, well, it's inevitable, so let's just not fight. It's, you know, it's, I don't know what kind of pill they call that, but I read something where someone said, you know, you need, you need to take the white pill where, you know, we can do something and we can either lay over. I mean, Lincoln and he could have acted just like the Republicans and the other Democrats did in the nation and said, what can we do? How can we stop them? And of course, they they just they didn't want to go to war. I mean, how can we? That was the most devastating war in American history. Six hundred thousand dead and wounded um, casualties. And it's the only it's it's right. the war that we definitely lost. Uh, um, so I, I, I want to get back to it and, and get close to closing this off and, and then talk about, you know, where people can find your book, et cetera. Born to fight Lincoln and Trump. I'm still struggling. So help me through it. Connect, okay. the, dots, connect the dots for me, because anyone that knows Abraham Lincoln knows him for one thing. Right. Ninety nine percent of us, again, ninety nine percent. We know Lincoln for abolishing slavery, Emancipation Proclamation, four score and seven years ago, uh, putting an end to slavery, the whole thing. That's that's Abraham Lincoln. When you think of Trump, uh, how do you connect Trump to the most important thing that we know about Abraham Lincoln? Just start there. Okay, well... You've got to also understand that in order to abolish slavery, he had to conquer the Democrats' desire to have their own slave nation. Um, one thing uh, Donald Trump mentioned, and I, it was in one of his debates with Biden, I think, um, he has done more for the black American than, than anyone in recent history. Uh, one thing that I absolutely believe, and many other historians will as well, is that um, why have Black Americans had to revisit, keep revisiting this freedom thing? It's because Democrats survived the Civil War. They are the party of Jim Crow. They are the party of the KKK. They are the party who, uh, you know, showed 
birth of a nation in the White House just um, against African Americans. They they have kept him, and you can consider this as well. They are still on a plantation today due to the Democrats and what they have done. You're like, well, wait a minute. It's Johnson who signed, uh, you know, the civil rights. Well, you look into that history and it's like, well, we are, we're going to get them to keep voting Democrats. So we're going to sign this. They knew that they had to change after World War II. Uh, racism wasn't as in as it used to be. So the Democrat Party changed, but they still are keeping African-Americans dependent on the government um, and all of the things. But Donald Trump is trying to uh, just emancipate them from that. Uh, You stay connected to the Democrat Party, you're going to keep getting the same things that you have always gotten nowhere. And he's he's you know, opportunity zones and trying to get them off of welfare, all of those things. Uh, it's just. OK, so I'm going to I want to just do a, a quick, quick word game for people to put into layman's terms what you're talking about. OK, okay. Uh-huh. we're going to say uh, Abraham Lincoln, abolitionist, <laughs> slavery. These are key words. Abolitionist, slavery, Gettysburg, uh, y- you know. Whatever those are the whatever other terms that you come with North South Civil War these these are the terms with Abraham Lincoln. Give me some buzzwords that correlate for Donald Trump that would kind of be a, the same analogy towards Lincoln. Uh, make America great again. Isn't that what Lincoln did? It was going to be two Americas. I don't know if America was great before that, but of course it's a very subjective thing. But okay, make America great again. Go ahead. Okay, combining them, um, bringing them back together. Uh, freedom. Uh, freedom. Well, what, do you say for... the same about, what do you say the same about every single president in U.S. history when it comes to freedom? No. You wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Um, and, and again, it kind of depends on what side you're on. Uh, through the Obama years, there would have been people that, I mean, he, he got a Nobel Peace Prize before he did anything. I'm, I'm, I can't wrap my head around that. Um, no, but, but I know. He, but when I agree with you, I'm not. I'm not talking. I think Obama's policies were horrendous too. Uh, quite. A but few, there are some people. people who would have said, "Oh, it's freedom," but it's it's it's. The left saying, wow, we've got this freedom now to do whatever we want. I think they call it wokeness. Wokeness basically is immorality, being able to do things. What did our founders say? It said, our constitution is completely inadequate. Beyond right, so you've got, you got, you've got, so for so, you, you've got uh, make America great again. You're saying make America great again. Ties to Lincoln making America great again, really more like making America better, free, and, and uh, equal. Okay. Um, you're saying freedom. That's Donald Trump is all about freedom. You're saying uh, Lincoln was all about freedom, correct? Yes. Okay. Also, what else? What else? When you talk about like, abolitionists, the, the con- how would you, how would you, if you were talking about uh, Abraham Lincoln is an abolitionist, Donald Trump is a what? 
uh, he is the most pro-life president we have ever had. If if you we can't really compare abolition to today, there is no slavery. You know, we can talk about plantation where where African-Americans are dependent on the government and and unable to leave those those it's rural and urban now that's that's the the political divide follows a lot of that Mm. um it's not uh sectional or regional like it was in lincoln's day but um you can compare uh slavery to abortion you know what do we know about this 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 fetus that's inside you well recently um science proves that it actually is not a part of the woman's body. The uterus has these anti-rejection qualities um, because, you know, the DNA is different. If, if there's a baby boy in there, it's an XY. That's definitely that Y chromosome is not a part of that woman's body. So, so we've got the science doing this. Um, but still, there are two sides and the absurdity of the left saying, well, it's our body, it's our choice. And then the pro-lifer saying, well, it's it's a human being and you're not allowing them the basic rights of the Constitution, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So the slavery of Lincoln's day can definitely be compared to the abortion battle of today. And it is one of the liberal left Democrats' number one. It, it's one thing if you, if we were to take it completely away, there would be absolute chaos. You're, you're because compar- wait, it I'm is t- one of their t- number Gretchen, one. You're saying that slavery back then. If I'm following, I just want to make sure I'm following you here. Uh huh. The slavery back then, where a human being, a living human being, was forced by the color of his skin to do hard labor work for the white man mm-hmm. is in comparison to today to a woman you're saying a woman who aborts her baby is is similar to slavery well i'm simply saying that the abortion fight of today pro life versus pro choice is very similar historically to that abolition versus slavery fight you're talking about how half the it's the the divided uh take on it yes yes okay Okay. i would say that that the the pro-choice movement is one of the number one priorities that the liberal left has today and when it is in jeopardy that is something that will cause them to absolutely go to battle for it and uh, and that's one thing slavery uh during the civil war that's what uh the democrat the southern democrats went to battle for that um who you, are know, you voting for who are you voting for in 2024 well trump you're gonna vote for him over uh over ron desantis you know desantis has done great things for florida uh, but it's one thing to do all of these things as the governor in Florida. Um, he had election police. He made sure that that everybody was on notice. There was not going to be any shenanigans in his state. And the legislature was behind him on that. But to have all of those things translate to across the nation, um, 
he can't force states to elect the right governor, to elect the right legislature. So, you know, I, I think right now it's in Florida, but I don't I I think he's a pup when it comes to fighting. And I think he he might be influenced in ways that Donald Trump can never be influenced. Mm. Born to fight but, Lincoln yeah. and Trump. Uh, this is Gretchen Wollert. Born to fight Lincoln and Trump. You will be able to find that in the show notes. Gretchen, tell everybody where else they can find you. Social media website. Final thoughts. Uh, at Gretchen Woolert on Twitter or on LinkedIn, um, GretchenWoolert.com. You can find the book there. You can also find it on Amazon. Born to Fight Lincoln and Trump. You'll be amazed. Thank you so much, Gretchen. Wishing you all the best. Thank you. It's been it's been a great pleasure talking today.